church. All right, Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, verse 1. Now, to give you the... What's happened here is Paul's been arrested for preaching Jesus Christ. And I think that day's coming again where we will be arrested for preaching Jesus Christ. And as he's uh, arrested, he appealed to go to Caesar. So they have to take him to, they have to, take him to Caesar, meaning they have to get on a ship. And it, when it was determined that we, would sail, we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering to a ship of Atromenium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Now, when he keeps saying with us, that's because Luke is writing this. Luke is going along with Paul. So Luke is uh, one, of the, uh, one of the guys that rode with Paul, was with Paul to the end. So Luke was Paul's physician. He's writing this, and that's why he keeps saying being with us at the end of verse 2. Verse 3. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Now I want to preach this morning on the sea voyage of life. The sea voyage of life. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Father, and I pray, Lord, as... Uh, we turn on the news every day, Lord. It just gets worse and worse, Lord God. And there's fear running through this country and through the whole world, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that uh, you'd cast out that fear through the perfect love of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray, Father, underneath the sound of my voice, as anybody's just dealing with any kind of fear or anxiety, Lord God, Father, that uh, you didn't give us that spirit of fear, Lord. You give us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, Father, as we go through these verses and read about Paul's journey, in his, uh, in his journey on this ship, Lord God, that we would be able to apply it to our Christian life, Lord God, and we can grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that don't know what's going to happen to them if they were to die tonight, Lord God, they wouldn't know if they'd go to heaven or hell, Lord God. I pray, Father, that they would make a decision for Christ when they get the opportunity. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So starting in verse 4, I want to point out that he's going on the ship. They get on the ship, and when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. I want to show you that in the sea voyage of life, there's many types of days. There's many, many types of days. Some days you're going to have contrary days because the winds were contrary. Some days it's just, it's just that kind of day. It's a contrary day. Nothing seems to go right. It's one of those kind of days. Then verse 5, And when he had sailed over the sea of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing unto Italy, and he put us therein. So they changed ships. So just like life, just like Paul's journey, Every day is different. Every day is a change. You, every day could be different. Every day is a change. See, here's the problem. A lot of us were raised on movies, on TV. I mean, there wasn't a day when I was, as a kid, I didn't have the TV on and, and be in front of it for a little while. And I'd go outside and play and play and play. But a lot of my life, I mean, you can, my wife will get me, but she'll just sing one little diddly of, of a commercial and I can finish off the commercial. We do that to each other all the time from the 80s because we grew up with TV in our lives. My point is this. Watching TV shows, watching movies, they don't give you the truth of life. Every day is different. I mean, what you see is you just see these moments of glimpses of them having excitement or fun or there's a murder and they're trying to solve it. But they don't show you them washing the dishes, taking out the trash. Uh, the, 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 the going to work and eight hours and just the monotony of day in and day out living. And that's what you're seeing here in this description is some days it's contrary, some days life changes, and life does change. Maybe things change in your, in your life, in your job, 
in your family. I mean, some of us in here, we can, have, uh, uh, we can be married and go through a divorce, and you have all this family, and when you go through a divorce, you lose a father-in-law, you lose a mother-in-law. You, lo- you know, it just, you're like, that's why divorce is so, it's so hard on a family, not just the kids, but on the whole family. Because it changes everybody else. He put us there in, so life has changes. Daily life has changes. And when, he, when we had sailed slowly many days. See, they're slow days. They, slow, they sailed slowly many days. I mean, just think about that. It's just a slow sailing. I remember one of the worst experiences I ever had going fishing was I went with my uncle and his cousin. Now, they are very up in years. My uncle's 92 now. So at that time, he was in his late 80s. I, I, the point is, they were very elderly. So they, because I'm the young guy, guess what they They put me in the, in the truck. They're going, we're going to go over here to Lake Coleman. Oh, okay. Well, no, it was Lake Ivy. We're going to go to Lake Ivy. I said, okay. They're like, hop in. So I get in the middle, and there's his cousin. He's driving the old pickup truck, and my uncle's sitting on the right-hand side. And if you've ever been around my uncle, he doesn't talk. So we get in there, and we, it's, it's like 60, 65, 70 over there. Well, he decides, my, uh, my uncle's cousin decides he's going to do 45 over there. And we're driving, both windows roll down, nobody's talking. It was, it was monotonous, and it was torture. And there's so many times I want to just reach my foot over there and just put it on top of his foot. Go, oh, let's go, let's get out of here, let's go. But that, and then we go and we get, and then what do they do? They get up there and they sit there and they throw the line in and they sit there the whole time, you know. Nothing, it's like, slow days, slow days, sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against nidus, the wind not suffering us. Some days, you know, it's just, you're not, things don't go right. They didn't, it says the wind didn't suffer, and wind not suffering us. Some days, it, things just don't go right. It feels like the world's against you. That's just the way it goes, guys. That's every day, day in and day out life. That's a sea voyage of life. And it says there in uh, verse uh, 8, And hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens. Nigh where to was the city of Lycia. Some days go good. Every, that's life. Some days you have a good day, some days you have a bad day. We don't, I don't know about y'all, but I don't wake up every morning and just get, jump out of bed and go, Glory to God! Oh, the hills are alive with the sound of music. I don't do that. There's days I get up and I'm like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to. It's like that old joke you get up and it's like, Man, I don't want to go just to church this morning. Well, you have to, honey. You're the pastor. You know? <laughs> there's, just days, there's days like that, amen? Not every day's good. But some days are good. Went well before him in verse 8 and then verse 9. Now when, we, now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. Now, they're going through this, they're going on the show, and they're starting to get dangerous. And that's what the final thing I want to say. Some days are dangerous. You have dangerous days, you have good days, you have bad days. All this is the life of a Christian. Everybody in here has to deal with this. But here's something everybody in the sound of my voice is going to deal with at one time or another in their life. It starts at verse 10. And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of, our, of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Paul says, you know what? Guys, if we continue on here, and we don't just, we don't just lay down here and wait, I think if we go on, the Lord is telling me that it's not going to be good, something good is not going to happen. Verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. 
Now, that's not Paul's wisdom that's telling him that. That's the, the, the Holy Spirit is telling Paul this. Paul's trying to relay to them, hey, I know this is not going to be good. The Holy Spirit spoken to me. This nothing good is going to come out if we continue on here. But here, the centurion, he takes the word of the world over the word of God. And this goes to what's going to happen in your sea voyage of life. You're going to make bad decisions. And everybody in here could get up and give a testimony of times they've made bad decisions in their life. And you know what happens in those bad decisions? You pay for them. You're about to see that happen. Verse 12, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. And if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter, which is in the haven of Crete, and lie toward the southwest and northwest. It's a very detailed description of Paul's ship journey as he's going and they're trying to find a place to rest and try to stay for the winter. But guess what happens in verse 13 and 14? When the south wind blew softly... Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosened this, they sailed close by Crete. So they, the, the, the weather looks like it's going to work out. It's like, man, it's blowing softly. I think we should take off. So the, they take off, and then verse 14, but not long after that, after that, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. Now, brothers and sisters, this is the great truth. I don't care if you're saved, know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, or you're lost and you claim to be an atheist or agnostic. There will be storms coming to your life. In the sea voyage of life, there will be storms coming in your life. No doubt. It comes into everybody's life. Uh, the, that's the great truth. That Jesus Christ, when he, Jesus Christ told the parable, he told the parable of, he said, one man built his house and he built it on the rock. And then he said, one man built his house and he built it on the sand. And we all know that the man who built his house on the rock is the one who built his house on Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ says, the winds came and the storms came and the rain came and it blew away the house that was on the sand, but the house on the rock stood. That's a great parable that tells you you need to build your life on Jesus Christ. But there's another truth about that story that sometimes we forget is the rains came on both houses. It comes on the good and the bad. Just because you're living a good kind of life, living a clean life, going to church, serving the Lord, trying to do what's right, don't mean bad things aren't going to happen to you. And what happens is you see people living wicked, living in the world, not doing anything for Jesus Christ, and everything's going good for them. You ever notice that? It's hard to say, man, why, why, not, why does everything go good for me like that? It's real hard. To not realize that storms will come into your life. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running, running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So what's happening is, this is day after day, they decide, hey, this is getting out of hand, we're doing everything we can. They put ropes up underneath the boat, and what they do is they get these ropes, and they try to tie these ropes up from under the boat to keep the boat from literally just falling, to tearing apart. They're doing everything they can, so they say, we're too heavy, we're too deep, so they start throwing off all the goods out of the boat to try to make the boat lighter. Verse 19, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. So here's the truth. There's going to be small storms coming in your life. There's going to be large storms coming in your life. There's going to be some storm someday, one day is going to come in your life that's going to look hopeless. 
The doctor's going to come in and it's going to look hopeless. Or your money problems, or your family problems, or whatever problems you're going to have. The storm that comes into your life is going to come in and you're going to be like verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. There's some of us that have dealt with that. Well, we've been given no hope. And don't look, there's any hope. Look, there's no way we can get out of there. There's no way. I know I, for sure there's been a couple of times in my life I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to pay this bill off. There's no way I'm ever going to. And there's a way through Jesus Christ. The truth is, sometimes it's not as bad as we think. Amen? Don't we make mountains out of molehills? Don't we try to, sometimes the fear is worse than the actual problem that we're dealing with. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Now here comes Paul. And said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. There, right there, Paul nearly got himself thrown off the ship right there. Because you got, you got 200-something men on that ship. Can you imagine when one man stands up and says, See, I told you we shouldn't have sailed. I'd been like, okay, let's lighten the load with that guy right there. Throw him over. <laughs> Amen. Get up there. I told you so. I told you so. Okay, here you go. Woo! Just throw him off with all the other goods. But he says, hey, I told you. You should have listened to me. But this is why they don't, this right here is why they didn't throw Paul off. Because it continues in verse 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Brothers and sisters, when that storm comes into your life, and it looks like according to verse 20, there's no hope, there's no way anything can happen good, we're, not, we're lost, we're doomed, you need to keep your faith. You need to be of good cheer. There's people watching you. There's nothing, and this church here, and this church personally, I've never seen anything like what I've seen with Sister Colleen. There's a sister right there, when the doctor gave her, he, she, he got months to live, it's stage four. It was all bad, all bad news. And she comes up to me, and, and I called her on the phone. We talked, and we prayed over the phone. And the next time I seen her, she come up to church. She had a big smile on her face. She said, Brother Keegan, Jesus Christ is going to get me through this. I'm not worried about it. It's in the Lord's hands. I'm not worried about it. And y'all witnessed it, right? Y'all, it's not just me. Y'all all witnessed her as she went through this horrible time in her life. And, all, and she, what was, what was one thing about her, she always came in. She always was smiling. She always was excited for the Lord. She was doing stuff for the Lord. She was of good cheer. And I would tell her, and we'd talk all the time, and I'd say, Sister, people are watching you. Nurses and doctors and family members, other church members, people are watching you. And it's so important whenever things are going bad in your life and there's storms coming in your life, keep the faith of Jesus Christ. Be of good cheer. He says, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. That's pretty positive thinking. You know why he thinks that? Because God told him. Hey, don't worry about me. I'm going to heaven. Amen? Don't worry about me. I'm, why do you know you're going to heaven? Because God told me. See, look at the very next verse, verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. He's trusting in God's words. So when the storms of life come and the, the, the wind starts beating down, it looks like it's going to tear your house down, you got your house built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. It's, I, my, my faith's in Jesus Christ. My faith's in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, we, did we not pray for Colleen to get healed? 
We prayed for her to get healed. And the Lord gave her an extra couple of years more than she was told she was going to have. But she went on to be in, in heaven with Jesus Christ. You can't deny that. Sometimes we pray and we pray and we're like, Lord, heal them, Lord, heal them, Lord, heal them. And then the Lord gives them the ultimate healing. And we're like, well, the Lord didn't heal them. The Lord gave them the ultimate healing. She's with her mom. She has no more pain, no more sorrow, no more aches, no more taxes. She's, out, she's on one of the most wonderful vacations anybody could ever take in their life, and it's for eternity. Yeah. We're like, no, Lord, let her stay down here so she can suffer and suffer and suffer. Sometimes the Lord gives them the ultimate healing and we're mad at God. But do you believe the word of God? Because according to the word of God, she's in heaven right now. Amen. Well, if you know the word of God and you believe in the word of God, sometimes it's God's blessing that they don't have to suffer more than they do. Brother Raymond's been on my heart a lot lately. Brother Raymond Music. And I remember that brother. Y'all know him. I'm not going in no nursing home. I mean, I bet, his, I bet his daughter called me once a week. We need to get dad. I need to talk dad into going to nursing home. He don't need to be by himself. I'm worried about him being on that. He's in a little bitty travel trailer. Little bitty travel trailer, guys. I'm talking about a small travel trailer. He lived in there for the whole time I was here at this church. He lived in that travel trailer. He lived in a little travel trailer. He would fall down, do all kinds of bad things was happening to him. Electricity get turned off, water get frozen, all that. And the men of this church would go over there and build a ramp for him. He had a heart attack. He, he would not go into a nursing home. He, I don't want to go into a nursing home. And he told me, I'm not going to a nursing home. Y'all remember him saying that all the time? So what happens? He finally gets to the point where his daughter puts him in a nursing home. And he told me, I don't want to be here. You know how long he lasted? One week. Right about one week. My wife and I, we went to visit him. We were in the nursing home. We were visiting Brother Raymond. He was sitting in a chair. His family were around. His daughter was around. I, I, I said, goodbye, Brother Raymond. Love you, brother. He said, I love you too, brother. We walked out of the room. I got in the car. I drove for about maybe 10, 15 minutes. I got a phone call. I said, my daddy just passed away. I was like, praise God. <laughs> Why would I say praise God? Because he don't want to be in a nursing home. Yeah. He want, that, that's no quality of life for him. He didn't want that. Now, some of us would be okay with it. He didn't want that. And God said, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to make you stay in there. I'm going to take you on home. He's at home. He's, listen, he's a lot better off than I am right now. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That's why it bothered me this morning. Get up here. We're, sing, we're, we're about to sing songs. I get up here. Get the, give the announcement. Look out. And everybody looks like this. Ugh. Nobody's, I'm like, man, what have I gotten myself into? I don't know if it's the Thanksgiving and what it is. or Hey, if it's, if it's the news, turn off the news. This new variant they're talking about, it's only like the 18th variant or something like that. They're running out of Greek letters to use. Guys, don't worry about it. Live life. It's short. Your life is but a vapor. You're here and then you're gone. It's a sea voyage of life. There's good days, there's bad days. Man, try to enjoy every day because you're not promised another one. For there stood by me that night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou might be brought before Caesar. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sell with thee. Do you know that for the sake of one man, God will spare a whole family? You know, for the sake of one Christian, God will spare a whole family. He'll spare a whole city for one Christian. 
You know, there's families in there. There's the, the dad that maybe the husband's no good, sorry, no good. The whole family's sorry, no good. But you got a dear, godly woman in that family, and the whole family's blessed. And the, and the husband, oh, I've got a good job. I'm going to keep this job. And God, the only reason he has it is because God's blessing him because of his dear, sweet wife that loves him. God will do that for, for the sake of one. God says, Paul, I need you to get there. So since I need you to get there, I'll give you all these other people there. <laughs> That's what God told Paul. You know, God will spare this country, United States of America, for one of us in here. And maybe he has been. Maybe we hadn't went down the toilet as soon as we could have because there's good Christians in this nation. Am I just spouting off or have you been reading your Bible? Lots in there. Lots righteous. And the angel says, we cannot do anything until we bring you out. And as soon as Lot and his family were out, and his family didn't have to come, they just had to get Lot. Lot warns his daughters, their, their daughter's husband, I don't want nothing to do with that. So only his daughters, him and his wife get out, and they run. as soon as they leave, fire and brimstone come down on Sodom and Gomorrah. He'll spare people for one guy. That's how the Lord works. So be that one person. You might be, I, I've been in a business, and, and, and maybe this is a, Maybe this is, I don't, I don't call it self-righteousness, maybe this is arrogance, because I've been called arrogant lately, right? But I've been in this business, and uh, the people I worked for were not good Christians at all, and I thought the businesses were being blessed, and I honestly thought, I think, I thought, I think the Lord's only blessing this business just so I'll have a job. And as soon as the Lord was ready to move me on, that business went under. That made me think, I wonder if the Lord was just keeping the door open to bless me. It's like the trickle-down economics that Reagan talked about. I can't get to you, but I'll. That's how our Lord God works. You know, you might have forgotten this over Thanksgiving holiday, but the Lord loves you. <laughs> I don't know why, but he loves you. I don't know why he loves me, but he loves you. He hasn't stopped loving you. He hasn't stopped loving the world, trying to save the world. He's still in the saving business, amen. He's still in there. But look at verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. As it was told me. Amen. When the winds of, these, when the winds of, this, uh, of your storm come, and it's uh, be it money or family or health problems, will you believe God and His words? Or are you going to believe what the world's telling you? The world's going to tell you one thing, and the Lord's going to tell you something different. We've already seen where they... Didn't listen to the words of God there in verse 11, and it all turned out bad. And now they're down here, and, and Paul says, Hey, you know why I believe all this? Why I'm standing telling you this? Be of good cheer, why? For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. There's nothing more of a bigger blessing to me than, than to visit a Christian that knows they're about to go home to be with the Lord and have them sitting on that bed of affliction and knowing that they're dying and have them look at me and say, Hey, man, I'm a winner either way. If the Lord decides to heal me up and I get off this bed, everything, I'll be okay. But if he don't, I'm a winner either way, brother. <laughs> and you know, they have a song about being a winner either way. That's a good song. That's the truth. In other words, when you have a Christian through the Holy Spirit that God's comforting through all that, the Holy Spirit's being a comforter for that Christian, it's a blessing to see the glow in their face and say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Be of good cheer, for I believe God. Do you believe God? Verse 26. But here's the great truth a lot of Christians don't want to look at. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. 
You can pray, and you can pray, and you can cry out to God. And you say, I don't want this to happen, God. I don't want to go through this, God. I don't want this storm to be happening. And you can pray, and you can pray, and you get up off your knees, and the storm continues. And it's God's will for you to crash. It's God's will for you to go through that storm. How be it? Paul says, I believe God. I believe everything's going to work out. But how be it? We must be cast upon a certain island. We're going to crash. We're going to wreck. See, that's where some people jump off the boat. And what I mean by that is some Christians, they're praying for God to do something, and they're praying for God to do something, and God doesn't do what they want, and they're like, well, I'm done with God. I'm mad with God. I'm mad at God. Why didn't God do this? Well, the reason why? Because God's God. And what I mean by that is he does what he wants. And you can cry and get mad and take your baby bottle and throw it on the ground and throw a little temper tantrum, but God is God. He's going to do what he wants to do. I've prayed to God, begged God, pleaded with God, and got off my knees, and it happened anyway. And I'm like, Paul, I've learned my lesson. But you know what, Lord? If it's your will. Heal them up, Lord. Give us, get, make the family, get the family back together, Lord, if it's your will. Lord, I want you, help them with their money problems if it's your will. Lord, if it's your will. And sometimes it's not his will. It's not having enough faith to make God do something for you. That's real faith. What real faith is, is when God doesn't do something for you. And to be like Paul and say, hey, I believe God. I know it don't look like things are going right for me, but I believe God. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all have gone through some of these storms. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it, don't, it looks hopeless. It looks like, man, it's nothing, nothing going to work out. I'm just going to put my trust in God. He'll get you through it. He got me through it. He can get, he's got millions of Christians through it. And if he doesn't get me through it, I'm going to go on to heaven. <laughs> I'll see you up there. If you can find me. Because I'm going to be having a good old time up there. Real good time. <laughs> I'm going to have a real, real good time up in heaven. If you don't like shouting and screaming and hollering, you're going to be real uncomfortable up in heaven. Because there's going to be a lot of shouting. A lot of screaming. It's going to be like the total opposite of what you hear in church when people are singing. When people are just mumbling and everything. There's going to be singing and shouting and glory to God and people running to Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see him. If you can find me, I'll say hello to you. Because I love you, but I love Jesus Christ more. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded, and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again, and found it fifteen fathoms. They're testing how deep the water is. And with this testing, they can figure out, oh, we're getting shallower, and we're getting shallower. So they know they're running up on ground. Verse 29, Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Just wish for the day. There you go. They're like, man, we're, we're, just, we're running out of hope. So they threw all the anchors overboard and just said, let's just wish for the day, man. Let's hope everything works out. Just wish for the day. Here's another great truth you're going to find out, Christian, in the sea voyage of life, found in verse 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurions and soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. So you had, you had some of these men in the ship, and they're like, hey, uh, we're going to go throw the anchors out there at the front. And they go up the front and say, let's get out of here, man. We're, we're hopeless. Let's get in this, this sailboat, I mean, let's get in this lifeboat, and let's get out of here. And they're getting, they're getting in a lifeboat, and Paul says, hey, man, if those guys leave, you can't be saved. The truth is, Christian, you're going to have people forsake you and abandon you in your storm. I've had it happen to me. 
You're going to have some friends that you think, man, that's my friend. Oh, they're such good friends. And you start going through a storm in your life, be it money problems or family problems or financial problems or health problems, whatever it might be, you're going to find out they're going to abandon you. Jesus Christ will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm a friend to Jesus. Jesus is my friend. You don't have to worry about him abandoning you. But be ready, you're going to have some people abandon you. And some Christians get really, really hurt at that. They shouldn't be. Why? Because we're all sinners. Do you blame these men for doing that? I don't blame them. See that verse 30? I don't blame them. You know, when we went to that Titanic museum there in Branson, Missouri, they have a big, big, it was like the size of the Titanic, and you go into this museum. One of the interesting things was how many of those men were trying to get on the ship and leave the women behind. All these men, I'll beat anybody up. I don't care who they are. It's like, ship's going down. Okay, ladies, get out of my way. I'm in first, you know. It was a lot of men like that. The cowards. You know, when the uh, Salvation Army, the story was of the Salvation Army, they were on a ship that went down. And the Salvation Army, they had, they had uh, their life jackets, and there wasn't enough life jackets. And the Salvation Army, this is back in the late 1800s, the Salvation Army, they took their life vest off of themselves and gave it to other grown men. And the grown men are like, why are you doing that? And they said, because we can die better than you. That's what they would tell them. And the, there's a bunch of the Salvation Army men died that day, drowned. Because they were giving their life vest away, said, we can die better. What does that mean? We know where we're going. <laughs> we know that there's another. We believe that there's a heaven. We believe that there's another life coming. Do we believe in eternal life? We put our faith in Jesus. We believe. We're crazy, just crazy enough to believe this stuff. And we can die better. We can die better. Verse 32, then the soldiers cut off the probes of the boat and let her fall off. Hey, there's going to be some people that are going to stick with you. There's going to be some people that are going to stick with you. We know there's going to be some friends that are going to abandon you. We know that. That's, that's just life, guys. That's a sea voyage of life. But in your storm, when it comes into your life, you're going to have some friends, they're going to stick closer to you than a brother. And amen for that. And I thank the Lord for some of my brothers and sisters in Christ that when I was in one of my, the hardest storms I've ever been through in my life, they stuck with me. Pastor friends stuck with me when they didn't have to. I had some pastor friends that turned on me. I had some pastor friends that said, Brother Keegan, I'm with you. I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm not, a, I'm not a blessing to them. I'm an embarrassment to them. And they still stuck with me. Guys, that's a blessing. And I'm hoping we're, full of, we're a church full of people that will stick with each other when the storms come. When somebody makes a mistake in here, makes the wrong decision according to verse 11 and 12 of this same, when they make the wrong decision, they don't follow God's word, they're doing things that aren't right, and the storms come into their life, it's their own fault. Do we cast them off? Or do we go over and hug them and say, hey brother, everything's going to be alright, I'm going to be praying for you. I love you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of what happened with you, but I'm not ashamed of you, I love you. But so many people come and say, well, I don't want to, I'm ashamed of them, I don't have nothing to do with them, I don't like the way they are, I don't like the way they Jesus Christ says, you'll know my disciples by the love they have one for another. Verse 33, and while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that we have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. So they haven't been eating anything for like 14 days. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. 
And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Hey, when you're in your storm and you start blessing God and, and praising God and saying, hey, I'm, everything's okay. I, we're going to make everything. I'm of good cheer. No matter what, God's got this. When you have that kind of attitude, it affects other people around you. Nobody would eat. Nobody would want to have anything to eat. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. When you do that, when you're going through your storm and you're still God, giving God the glory as you're going through the, your storm and make, everybody's watching you, that affects people. Amen. That affects people in a good way. Look at verse 36. Then were they all of good cheer and they also took some meat. You're going to change lives, brothers and sisters. You're going to change lives when you're going through that storm or whatever's happening in your life and you will stick with it and keep the faith and be of good cheer and know that God's got this. No matter what happens to you, God's got this. It will affect other people around you. It'll affect your family members. It'll affect nurses and doctors. It'll affect uh, uh, co-workers. It'll affect everybody around you. And what a blessing that will be. Why? For the glory of Jesus Christ. You want other people to come to Jesus Christ, you show them how good Jesus Christ has been to you. Verse 37, And we were all in, and we were in, all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. When they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. So they get ready, they eat at what they want, and then they throw the rest away. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea, and loosed the rudder bands, and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, and made toward shore. They're like, we're going to crash this. Let's just, just drive it into that creek right there. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast. And remain unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So they take the ship, it goes into that creek area. It, the front of the ship gets stuck, but the back end is getting beat by the way. It starts tearing apart. Verse 42, And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. See, when you were a soldier back then, and you had a prisoner under your care, if you allowed that prisoner to escape, that was a penalty of death. That's why in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas, he thought he, that, that jailer thought they escaped, he pulled a sword out. He's about to kill himself. Well, I might as well kill myself before they kill me. And like, no, 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 we're all in here, is what Paul told him. That's what's happening here. They're like, hey, man, if the, any of these prisoners get away, they, they're able to swim away and get to shore and escape. We're done for. Let's kill them right now. That way we don't have to worry about it. Man, what a day. It's a totally different atmosphere now, right? The cops are worried about everything but that now. Amen. They're worried about getting killed for arresting somebody. Verse 43. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. The point there is the centurion says, no, 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 no. Let's not kill anybody. Everybody jump out and swim to the shore. If you can't swim, get a piece of board or something and you make it over there. The point I'm trying to make about this, in your sea voyage of life, when you do what's right by Jesus Christ, when you live the right kind of life, and you, you, I'm not saying we're perfect, right? But when you do what's right by the Lord Jesus Christ, men, even if they're not saved, will respect you. This centurion's not saved. Why was he wanting to save Paul? Willing to keep safe. He did that because he wanted to save Paul. Why? He respected Paul. Guys, the Bible says when you're doing what's right by God in God's eyes, he'll make even your enemies have peace with you. So when, you can, when you're going through your storm, you're doing what's right by the Lord, and man, it looks like, man, I don't, 
there's no reason for you to act that way, but you still got the faith, you're keeping the testimony, you're, you're doing those things that are right, you're believing in God. Men and women respect that a lot worse than somebody who's wishy-washy. That's a blessing. Now I want to close with verse 44 and we'll get out of here. And the rest, some on boards, there it is, and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Everybody in this room is on a sea voyage of their life. And the truth is, is found in verse 44, is every sea voyage of life ends in a wreck. Everybody's going to shipwreck in here. Unless the Lord comes back, and I pray He does, and I hope He does come back, and just rapture us on out of here, everybody in this sound of my voice, is going to, their, their sea voyage is going to end in a wreck. Just like this one. It's going to end in death. Who or what are you trusting to get you over to that shore? I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I've never seen anybody else who could face death like a Christian. And know, hey, this shipwreck's coming. I'm about to come, but I've got this in Jesus Christ. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to read. I've got these big old books on Christian martyrs. Testimonies, Christian martyrs, big old books. Martyrs Mirror. Fox's Book of Martyrs. And you read these stories, and these brothers and sisters, they're getting burned at the, at the cross, I mean at the stake by the Catholic Church for trying to get the English Bible, and they're bur being burned at the stake. And, the, and these, these accounts describe them as singing hymns as they're getting burned alive. And the, the description is, when the flames touch them, it's like they don't feel the flames. They got, a big, they got a big smile on the face. As the flames lick them up, it's like God took away the pain, did it? Guys, I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ says, He that believes in me will never see death. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people out there that believed in Jesus Christ that seen death. Did they? Did they see death? Or did they take their last breath and see Jesus Christ? Yeah. See what I'm saying? See, when I take my last breath and I get through struggling through this world, I'm going to go, Hey, Lord. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, it'll be, Hey, death. Come here, I got somewhere to take you. And it ain't up. We're going down. Who are you going to trust to get you on the other shore? Can I plead with you to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for giving us your words, Lord God. They're so wonderful, Lord. And I, and I love these stories, Father, that it's come off the page, Lord, as we read of what happened with Paul, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, for speaking to his heart the truth. And Lord, I pray, Father, and thank you for men like Paul, Lord God, that lived their faith, Lord, that... Even a centurion was respectful of Paul, Lord God, didn't want him to die and was willing to stick his neck out for him, Lord God. And I thank you for Paul, Lord. There's no doubt in my mind, Lord, as Paul was on that ship that he did witness the centurion, Lord. He did tell the centurion about you. And Lord, I pray, Father, we'll have the same heart, Lord God, that no matter what storm we're going through or if we're having a good day or a contrary day or a happy day or a bad day, Lord God, we'll still tell people about Jesus Christ and tell them about you, Lord. And I pray, Father, if somebody in the sound of my voice is dealing with a storm right now, Lord God, I pray through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, you give them comfort. Give them grace. Give them mercy to deal with what they're dealing with, Lord God. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit and the Comforter. And Lord, I pray, Father, if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, as we give this invitation, they'll come on down and get saved. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. 
If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.